Blog Talk Radio. Well, hello, hello. This is uh, Dr. Lawrence Simon, and the belated show, the delayed show, twice, is the stories we live by. Um, I was visiting with my family up north for uh, the holidays, and uh, I just didn't have a place, a secure, safe place to do the uh, show. I didn't have the computer. It was a mess, although I really enjoyed my grandkids. Although I have to tell you, getting back here to sunny Florida is a complete pleasure. It's awful up there. I don't know how I ever lived there for 65 years, 65 years. I mean, it's just cold and dark. And just Anyway, um, today's topic is stories about love. I'm not going to talk about love stories, but stories about love, about the idea of love. And the idea for the show uh, became uh, real when I had a conversation with my barber. Now, this guy's a real interesting character. Um, you won't tell him I said so. But the first time I met him, he asked me what I was. I said I was a psychologist. And he said, Dad, you ever have such people who are screwed up that you told them to go kill themselves? And I laughed and I said, usually that's what we're trying to tell these people not to do, you know, to find a way to live. Uh, but anyway... An interesting guy. And we were discussing while he cut my hair. Um, uh, good bother, by the way. He cut my hair. We, we discussed a mutual uh, acquaintance. And I can't say a friend, although I kind of like the guy as the time goes by. And this is a guy who really seems to be beset by demons. He's a very unhappy fellow, gets angry easily, uh, complains a lot. And he kind of alienates a lot of people. And my barber said... Um, See, he can't love other people, he can't love other people, because he can't, doesn't love himself. And I thought that was such an interesting thing, and I said to him, well, how do you know what love is um, if you can't love yourself? Do you, does it mean you weren't loved? And he, he kind of stopped and, you know, uh, cut my hair for a while and ranted and raved about different things. But I thought that would make an interesting show. And so I raised the question, um, do you have to love yourself before you can love another? Do you have to be loved before you could love yourself? Uh, and if you were never loved, can you love yourself? Um, the question really is, is love an inner given or merely a potential? I think every human being, uh, unless they're severely neurologically damaged uh, in some way, is capable of love, and I think that to be loved is a very powerful need, and I think that the kind of development that takes place in people when they are not loved is not the kind of development I prefer. Notice I don't say it makes them sick. I don't get into that that terrible bullshit of diagnosis. Um, to be loved in childhood, to be loved as a human being, um, I think means something to your development different than if you were not loved. And I thought I would play around with some of these ideas. Uh, the problem is when we talk about love, we really don't define what we mean by love. And so there's a lot of other ideas that I think substitute for love, uh, but are used by the name of love. So, for example, I think you can need somebody very terribly and say, I love them, I love you, uh, but not really love them. 
It's your need for the individual and what they bring to you that gets defined as love. So I'm going to tell you what I define as love and some of the problems then from my definition about loving yourself. I define love as an act. Right? It's, it's, love is a verb. It's not a thing. It's not what you can hold in your hand. Love is what you do, with or without sex. And I'll talk a little bit later about sex and love. But love is what you do. And what is it that you do when you love someone? And you'll see by my definition that I have trouble with then loving yourself. But love is what you do with another person. And what is it you do with someone you really love is that you hold their life, happiness, health, and their needs equal in value or maybe even more equal in value than your own. Okay? Similarly, if you are loved, what you experience from the other individual is that you are loved and you matter to this individual and your life matters maybe even more than their own life matters to themselves. Uh, the, the purest example of this that I can think of is the love of a parent for a child. Now, again, not all parents love their children. There are parents who need their children. I'll discuss need in a bit. There are people who uh, have children simply because uh, grandma and grandpa want to be grandma and grandpa. Um, again, I've talked about this earlier in other shows. I mean, I've had clients I've worked with over the years. I remember one young lady who was having a baby that was, as she put it, God's punishment for her having sex. And I really became very upset and tried to, to work this through with her, that this baby should be loved and accepted when it arrived for its own sake and not as a means to some end which involved punishing her. Because that would make it extremely difficult for that baby to experience being loved that their needs were important, that their ideas are important, that what they say is important. Uh, I mean, just up on a practical level, when you love someone and they speak, you listen. You hear them. And if you don't, you don't. Uh, it's a very powerful uh, emotion, but it, it's defined as an act. Love goes out to someone or something else. I mean, that's a whole other topic. I've met people who love their animals more than they love people. I've people who love cars more than they love people. Uh, love sports more than they love people. But I'm talking about the people kind. And um, when you are loved, you, you experience on the face, uh, under the hands, in the embrace of the other by the communication between you, just how important you are, how valued you are. And similarly, when you love another, and it's interesting when you do really love someone, you lose yourself. Um, you don't think of yourself. And I'm becoming a little Buddhist here, because I love the Buddhist idea of finding yourself by losing yourself. Now, what am I talking about? I'm not talking about individual. I'm talking about when you really go into an entertainment, for example, a concert or a movie, or you listen to a piece of music, and all of a sudden you don't exist. You are the object. You are the poem. You are the story. You are the movie. And afterwards, time seems to just go by 
instantly, instant time transformation. Um, if you sit in a movie and you don't love it, you don't enjoy it, you're not losing yourself in it, uh, why then uh, time goes so slowly and you can't stand it? I remember how many students, uh, when I was a student and students would sit in my class without any affection or caring for what they were learning or what I was learning at the time, and time would go so slowly, it was like an agony. And yet when I lost myself in the topic, in a good lecture, a good book, whatever it was, in the subject matter, I found myself. And so um, I'm thinking about love like that. And it raises the question, can you really then love yourself? I, I don't know if you can love yourself. I mean, maybe somebody has an answer to that. I think you can value yourself. I think you can hold yourself in esteem. I think you could satisfy your needs. But I'm not sure you can love yourself. One of the great early psychologists who unfortunately, under the onslaught of, of, uh, of uh, psychiatry, is no longer read, was a fellow named uh, Eric Fromm, F-R-O-M-M. And he wrote a wonderful little book called The Art of Love. Uh, Art of Loving. Art of Love was an illustrated sex manual at the time, but The Art of Love. And he talked about, uh, and he talked about love as as uh, uh, this giving and the losing of oneself, and self-love as a kind of a narcissism. He said there is love of another, and then there's narcissistic self-love. You know, narcissistic. You look in the mirror, mm, 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 mm. am I wonderful? Am I beautiful? Uh, there's an old joke about a guy who goes to a bar. And uh, he meets a, a nice young lady, and he wants to impress her. And he realizes after a half an hour, he says, Oh, my God, I've been talking about myself all this time. You know, it's your turn. You talk about me. Um, there is, there is uh, that kind of love. It's a narcissistic love. But when you value yourself, uh, and you value yourself more, I think, in the act of loving someone, true loving someone, uh, then I think that I don't know what it means to say you love yourself. Um, I think you become loved in the act of loving. Although I do believe, I have to be honest, that when a child grows up and doesn't experience that look on a parent's face, on a teacher's face, on an aunt or an uncle, and grandparents, oh, one of the things I love about being a grandparent, is that it is so easy to love my grandchildren. I mean, they are wonderful children, uh, beautiful, bright, wonderful, healthy, thank God, children. And it's so easy to love them because my ego isn't involved. I don't worry about their grades. I wouldn't give a shit what their grades are. I mean, their parents still just like I did when I was a parent. And I, and I think back that I did love my children. I would have rather died than go through the death of my child. I mean, that's an interesting topic in itself. The worst psychological cases... I ever had were of children who had died, uh, and I have had two over my long career in which young adults committed suicide, and those marriages just dissolved under the kind of guilt and rage and pressure uh, that that brought. I mean, what does a parent say when a kid commits suicide? What is it that we did? Well, how come our love of our child wasn't enough for that child to want to uh, live and love on their own. It raises terrible, terrible, terrible questions for an individual. So, love is a verb. 
And I think we lose ourselves and find ourselves in the act of love. And I do believe that we need to be loved and experience ourselves as so important and valuable uh, uh, that when someone looks at us, that look of humor on their face, that look of delight, uh, that we're the best thing since the wheel, and that the world is a much better place because we're in it, and what a terrible place the world would be without it. Uh, parental love is that, uh, the love of a person for another person, the love of friends. Uh, I think one of the wonderful things about having friends is that if your family life was all messed up and there was no love, or as I'll talk about in a moment, there was need rather than love, then um, you, you have a chance to start again. I'll tell you the tragedy in all of this, that people who grow up feeling unloved because of the way the mind works as a child, the egocentrism that I've spoken about earlier in other shows, uh, they blame themselves. They say, what's wrong with me that I couldn't be loved? The nice thing is that as you grow up, if you grow up and you begin to see other people as other people, you begin to recognize that the problem may not be in you. The problem may be in them or between you and them. That is, whatever the relationship you have with this particular individual, they can't love you or you love them. And yet, uh, there may be many others who can love you. And the tragedy I've seen so often is that a person who grows up feeling unloved feels that they might be unlovable and then become very defensive and don't allow the possibility of love to come manifest between them and anybody else. Um, so there's the love of friends. Then there's the love of lovers. And we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, one of the nicest things that I have discovered in my life is to love another person and have sex in the relationship. Uh, and by the way, my thing is I've, I've seen uh, a love between two men. I've seen love between women. Um, uh, most of us tend to be heterosexual, and, and it's love of a woman uh, for a man and a man for a woman, and you put the sex into it, and it really is quite wonderful uh, to love someone and make love. Now, I should say that... Um, uh, there was a wonderful a movie by Woody Allen some years ago. I think it was Annie Hall. And they're talking about sex. And she says, you know, Alfie, and I think that was the character's name, but don't quote me. And she says, uh, sex without love is just a meaningless act. And he says, yes, but as meaningless acts go, it's one of the best. Um, I think sex can exist without love, and it can be fun, and it can be uh, pleasurable, uh, but, and it can exist separately. Um, but love with sex is, I think, something special. Not that I've had so many great amount of sexual experiences without love, uh, but that has been one of the highlights in my own life, uh, to have a relationship in which there is uh, uh, love and sex uh, that get mixed together. And indeed, they feed each other. It's very hard not to love someone who uh, gives you pleasure. And I've always been interested in people who become promiscuous and use sex as a way of avoiding involvement and the way of avoiding love. And the only way that really gets done, I think, is to make an object of the person that you're having sex with. Uh, I mentioned once when I had a client who had a terrible relationship with her boyfriend. Uh, uh, he treated her, she said, like a wet hole. 
and I've seen this, women who treat men uh, as a, a bank account or men who treat women uh, as a sexual object. Um, you know, you're a bitch, you're a cunt, you're a nice piece of ass, not even the whole ass. Uh, this kind of stuff in which there's an objectification. It's not an I-thou relationship. It is an I-it relationship. And in a love relationship, it is always me and you, I and you, not I and it. Uh, it becomes very boring. Uh, I know some good pornography. I like pornography when it's good. But most of the time, it's not really sexy pornography because you become aware after watching the bodies move that there is no affection, there's no story, there's no interaction. It's one body on another body. Uh, and masturbation, uh, watching somebody masturbate is just about as sexy as, uh, as, as I can imagine. Uh, and, and so you see in much pornography, mutual masturbation, with or without mouths or, or uh, you know, uh, genitals. Uh, but it, it lacks something. Uh, some of the sexiest movies, uh, you can never see uh, movies between people who really have a chemistry, and you can see there is some kind of an affection uh, there. Okay. Um, I want to talk a little bit about uh, uh, some other aspects before I run out of time, and that is liking and loving and being in love. I don't think these are the same things. Uh, well, I, when when, when uh, people would ask me over the years, um, how do they know they should marry somebody? I always have the same answer. Do you love them? I mean, that's, that's do they love you? And, and if you doubt it, don't get married till you know. There has to be love, at least at the beginning. Um, you can screw up. By the way, love is not forever. Uh, we do all kinds of violence to each other when we betray each other, when we lie to each other. Uh, love can die a very hard death. Uh, but at least in the beginning, let there be some real love. Uh, I say be in love with the individual, uh, but in love is not the same as love. That's that intoxicating state. I remember when I first fell in love with my wife, um, and I would call her to tell her I was going to call her. I mean, the insecurity of it all. I mean, it's just you don't know where you are. You don't know which end is up. But when love moves through being in love, it becomes something different uh, I then tell them like the person you're going to uh, live with if they're not your friend and again one of the nice things about friends is that you can love someone from outside your family it gives you a second chance a third chance if you'll accept the vulnerability of being in love I should talk about that I'll hold, hold that for a second and um, you have to like the person if you're not friends uh, what are you going to say and what are you going to do after you finish having sex? Uh, and by the way, sex will enhance a relationship. But let me tell you, after 40 years of working with people, uh, sex will not save a relationship in and of itself. It won't. Uh, there has to be a liking, a mutual liking. There has to be respect. There has to be, or, well, respect comes with love. It's very hard not to respect somebody if you love them. It becomes very natural to respect them uh, if you really love them, if they are that important to you. And so, um, very important. And then the third thing I say, if you're going to marry somebody, at least when you're uh, going together, you want to jump on each other's bones at least once every seven minutes. 
uh, at least a, a hopefully a good intense sexual desire for each other. And by the way, this is this is hard, but you can love someone and desire them and still look around and say, boy, I wonder what fucking that person would be like. I, I should add, fuck is a really great word. Um, it, it does not mean the acronym for unlawful carnal knowledge. I taught that to my students for years. And then a student did a, a Google search, or a web search. It was before Google. And it turns out that it comes from some Finnish word, uh, fuga or something like that, a Nordic word, uh, an old Nordic word that has to do with having sex. But uh, fucking is a good word. I, I don't like sleeping with someone. I don't like screwing there's something debasing about that. But when two people really fuck together, that, that, that sexual excitement, what Woody Allen is talking about, the meaningless act that becomes meaningful with love, uh, but at least in the beginning of a relationship. And don't try to fix a relationship, by the way, through sex. Uh, you can make up, uh, there's a great Seinfeld episode that I enjoy called about make-up sex. That's good, but it doesn't work after a couple of years. It really doesn't. Uh, you, you have to have a, an ongoing love relationship with all the respect and care that goes along with that, and hopefully uh, you'll still like each other and your friends, and you do things together, not because you're forced to, but because you really want to in the same way that the people you usually want to be with are your friends. By the way, you can love someone and not like them. How many of you have a sibling that you'd love? You'd give them their kidney, you'd give them an eye, you'd give them anything they need to, to continue their life. They are really very, 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 very... Hi, Nikki. Nice to talk to you. Um, I'll come back on your show sometime. Uh, I have some interesting stuff that I, I could talk to you about. Anyway, um, if you really love someone uh, and you like them and you have a desire for them, uh, that can sustain over many, many years. Uh, if not, you're in trouble. You really are. I want to talk a little bit now before I run out of time between need and love. Let me give you two conversations. A man says to a woman, uh, you don't love me anymore? You're breaking up with me? Well, I love you so much that I'm going to kill you and then I'm going to kill myself. Okay? That ain't love, baby. That's need. That is tremendous need, and that's not love. That has to do with your need for this person to give you something and take care of you in some way. Um, it's like being a helpless, frightened child with a parent that you're looking to replace your other parents with, your, 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 your natural parents with. That's not love. You do not kill the person you love. Conversation two, you don't love me anymore, uh, you're breaking my heart, but I set you free because I love you and I want you to be happy. <clears throat> That's love, as far as I understand it, okay? You don't hurt, you don't destroy, uh, and if you value your own life, and by the way, much of the violence you see between men and women, where one kills the other, usually the man, uh, because somehow men have a harder time growing up than women, for whatever the reason, uh, that's a show and a half of its own, um, that, that the, the, the violence comes from 
I can't be in the world alone without you. When, when my girls were, I have two daughters, when they were growing up and they would date, uh, I would sort of, uh, well, what did he say? You know, you, you like him, he likes you. Uh, I would listen for um, if they said, gee, he told me he can't live without me. And then I realized I'd have to go to Brooklyn and hire the mafia to kill them, or maybe kill them myself, because that's when it becomes very dangerous. I can't live without you. Uh, no, no, you may not want to live without the other person, but if you respect your own life, if you want to call that loving yourself and you love the other individual, then you recognize the impossibility of a relationship and you say, that's the end of it, and I bear my pain and I grow from it. Uh, not, I can't live without you, I'm going to kill you. That is not, I'm sorry to say, in my definition of things, love. So, what else? Yes, I want to talk a little bit about needs and blackmail. So many of the relationships that I worked with over the years that may or may not have started with love, but certainly love had died a hard death, and, and uh, the couple is together, quote, for the sake of the children. Oh, those poor children who have parents who stay together for them. Um, uh, puts a terrible pressure on kids. That's a no-win situation because a divorce always has a profound effect on, on children. It doesn't make them sick, by the way. There ain't no such thing. Again, it's a profound experience that transforms the individual in one way or another. Um, so, uh, well, I, I, somebody wrote a note I want to respond to in a second. Yeah, blackmail. Student came up to me once, a beautiful young lady, and she said, "How do you respond? How do I respond to my boyfriend? He wants oral sex, and I'm not ready to do that. I, I can't do that. Maybe I won't be ready to do that." And so I said, "So, well, did you tell him that?" And she said, "Yes." And he said, "If you love me, you would do that." Hmm? Well, what do I say? And I said, "Well, I don't give advice, but my response, my personal immediate response is." If you love me, you wouldn't ask me to do something that I find offensive. You will compromise. And that is the art of love. A compromise between two people uh, or a family. And don't tell me you're going to have it all your way or it should be the other person's way. Because that you're now talking again about need. You're not talking about love. Let me see what this says. If someone kills themselves because their partner accuses himself of being unfaithful, then she, did she love him so much that the pain of the accusation was too much? Did she love him and died for it? My response is bullshit, no. No, I'm sorry. You don't kill yourself because someone was unfaithful. That is your insecurity. What does it mean that that person was unfaithful? You can ask about the relationship. Did I do something to participate in the creation of the unfaithfulness? But if you've been betrayed... You're only responsible for what you did. The person is responsible for having betrayed you. So if you then kill yourself, what value have you put on your own life? What value have you placed on the other individual being faithful? Um, no, I think that I would like to see when somebody is betrayed that way that they get angry. They say, go to hell and say, I am worth a, a, a loving relationship. And if you couldn't see that, 
I certainly am going to examine myself and my participation in this relationship to see what, what I think I participated, what I did with it. But on the other hand, I am deserving of love. I want to be loved. And, and the pain you've caused me is going to be a lesson that I have to learn. It's going to be something that's going to make me stronger, not I'm going to wipe out my life. Because the other person, by the way, may feel guilty for a couple of hours, but I don't think it's going to mean anything more than that. So uh, I, I don't know if I've answered that question, uh, but that's uh, my response to it. Well, I'm just about out of time. Uh, thank you, Guest425, for uh, popping by. There were some other people, too. And uh, I don't know why anybody doesn't call. Uh, I'd love to have some more conversations on the phone and uh, share stories that way. Next Monday, I'm going to do an interesting show. I'm going to do an hour show. I've been asked to speak uh, to a group down here in Florida, uh, mostly grandparents, many of whose kids are uh, taking psychiatric drugs. And some of them are for it, some of them against it. And I'm going to talk about, uh, make a case against the psychiatric drugging of children. So I'm going to do that. I'm going to uh, do that and sort of address rehearsal next week. And if anybody would like to call in, uh, come in. It will be 4 o'clock on Monday, and it will be called uh, Stories About Drugging Our Children. And so thanks for listening, those who have, and thanks for those who will uh, download the archives of this show. And I'm sorry, again, I jumped from last Monday to this Monday and back out to this Wednesday. Uh, you, don't, you don't develop a good listenership that way. So take care. And uh, I'll be communicating with you again next Monday. Goodbye.